In this episode of We Only Look Thin, we are addressing a listener's question relating to the healthy at any size movement and diet culture criticisms. We Only Look Thin understand that there is a spectrum between disordered eating behaviors and clinically diagnosed eating disorders. This episode is in no way meant to minimize serious eating disorders. We are not trained medical professionals, nor are we addiction specialists. So if you are concerned that you might need additional support, please consult a medical professional professional or contact the National Eating Disorders Association at nationaleatingdisorders.org or in the U.S. you can call or text 1-800-931-2237. Now on with the show. Welcome to another touchy subject episode of We Only Look <laughs> oh, boy. Thin. I am Catherine Weigel. I am your controversial host. I yeah. have lost uh, 140 pounds. I am a Tiny Habits certified coach. Oh, yeah. And with me today is... Donald Weigel, and I am a hotbed of controversy <laughs> myself, and I have lost about 100 pounds, and I've kept it off for about four years. And uh, I am not a Tiny Habits certified <laughs> coach. Tell them what you are. You're <laughs> I have super, read. I've read the book. <laughs> super duper guy. Well oh, thank read. Thank you. Yeah, certified super duper guy. <laughs> yeah, he's got a badge and everything. Um, I got one on the internet. Got certified. Sure. So just like I had my online certification for becoming a, uh, a minister. A minister. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, why do I keep telling people that? I really don't like performing ceremonies. Yeah. Really don't like it. So. But you're really good at it though. And you've know, done you've done several of them. You mean like twelve, twelve or thirteen? That's more than that many. Yeah. Holy cow! I was to, thinking it was like five or six. No, to uh, what is it? To, to varying results. Uh, oh yeah. My my uh, certification has lasted longer than some of the marriages I've performed. I don't think that performing the ceremony is an indicator of how well the marriage is going to go. Like I don't think that that's on you. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> like know. I don't really give credit to our marriage to the guy who performed our ceremony. <laughs> no, but we were actually walk- walking by the church the other day. The church where we got married is yes. close to uh, to where we live. And yes. I was actually thinking, like, I wonder if he's just in there being like, I wonder how those kids are doing. They <laughs> seemed way too young to get married. Yeah. Or if he's just, just happy for I'm sure he thinks about us every day. <laughs> no, but anyway, I, uh, yeah, please don't call on my services. Uh, I don't want to do it. I'd rather just show up and have a cocktail maybe. But hello! Hello! We're here to do a listener question. We uh, are. I was going to call it a listener mailbag, but it's it's one letter from the mailbag, <laughs> so it's not really a mailbag, and the bag is an email inbox. Yeah, it's not like uh, the Miracle on 34th Street with like a whole, like entire bags of mail coming in. Like, oh, what if it Catherine was? Catherine and Donald Weigel are real! Oh man, all the, all the court bailiffs just dragging yeah. bags of mail in to we only look like that. Actually, that, that stresses me out. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, I know for uh, for many a day, many many maybe a year, we have talked about you know, send us a message, send us an email. We'll definitely get back to you at some point. Well, this is some point. Yeah, we've made no bones about the fact that it might take a long time. To we get are boneless. Your answer. Look, we. <laughs> Look, I genuinely appreciate yeah. somebody sitting down and taking the time to send us an email. Like that really takes something. That is some effort. 
And I think that cannot be um, overstated, the effort of that. But this particular question was sent to us back in early November, and we're we're just sort of getting to it now. Yeah, and we have also gotten some questions from earlier in 2021. So please know that we uh, we recognize that and we have more to answer. But uh, today we are going to focus on listener Olivia's question. Hello, Olivia. Yeah, so... Um, so we're just going to. I know we 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 opened with this in the opener opener part. Yeah, Catherine has decided that uh, that we should drive away as many people as possible from this <laughs> podcast. So we're tackling a very uh, touchy subject today. Well, look, and I know we said this. We have vanilla disordered eating yes. habits. Yes, um, I was never clinically diagnosed with bulimia. But I'm pretty sure I had it because of the things that I was doing. Yeah. We, Donald and I were able to navigate our disordered eating habits without the benefit of uh, professional assistance. But that's not to say that we didn't listen to podcasts and other inspirational people and read books and really do a lot of work on ourselves to get to where we are today. So this episode is not for people who have serious eating disorders. Um, we're not minimizing them, but we do see that there is a spectrum between kind of run of the mill, like, hey, let's look at problems versus people who need real assistance. Um, so I know we already started with that, but just wanted to say it again. And we we don't we don't think everyone has the same problem, nor is there one answer to any problem. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, I will link to the uh, National Eating Disorders uh, Organization. Um, they you know they can help if you have a true eating disorder. This is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, trying to get over actual eating disorder. We're talking about trying to get over, you know, some disordered eating, which is yeah. not the same thing. And, um, you know, Catherine and I spent most of our lives engaging in, you know, disordered eating to the point where I was about 100 pounds overweight. She was uh, about 150 pounds overweight. And, um, we are going to uh, do our best to address our opinions regarding the healthy at every size movement. Uh, I I always say healthy at any size movement, but I most places online say healthy at every size. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, again, this is there are as many uh, opinions as there are answers or whatever. But yeah, uh, but this is just based on our you know, growing up in a family much like Olivia, who had, you know, some maybe some weight issues, and really trying to navigate other people's opinions of one's own journey. Um, so we're hopefully going to, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like we're predicating this a lot. But, you know, we just want to make sure that everyone knows that there's no one answer to anything. So this is just our opinions. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're itching to be angry about something, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so Olivia sent us an email and I'll, I'll read part of it and then we'll we'll flip around and then Donald will read part of it because that's super fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Okay. It's fun for me. It's fun for you. So uh, Olivia says, hi, Catherine and Donald. Hello. Hello. Okay. I totally feel like I'm emailing celebrities. That's you're, because you are. You're welcome. Yeah, we uh, are celebrities. Uh, we might be E-list celebrities, but we make the cut. We sure do. I'm a big fan of the podcast and you both. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. We're not that just going to keep that. That is the correct that. opinion. <laughs> okay. We're trying to just make this. Let's let's end this episode soon. Okay. I won't bore you guys with my personal journey venture, but I'm a 30-year-old who comes from an overweight comfort food-centric upbringing, and I have experienced both successful weight loss and some recent regain. 
Yes, also me. Also uh, us, yes. <laughs> in addition to saying thanks for your amazing, genuine, funny, and truly encouraging podcast, I have a question or possible episode topic for you guys. You've touched on it before, but I find myself, especially as a millennial, inundated with messages of body acceptance and diet, diet culture condemnation. While I agree that everyone should love their bodies where they are and that every body type deserves utmost respect, I feel guilty for applying the methods I need for weight loss and weight management. And then she goes on to say, I recently tried listening to an episode of a podcast called Maintenance Phase and found myself incredibly uncomfortable with the host being shocked and horrified that Weight Watchers encourages people to use food scales. Ironically, I am using both Weight Watchers and food scales every day in my weight loss journey venture. By the way, just as an aside for those who don't know, a lot of people use the phrase weight loss journey. Donald hates that. <laughs> which makes me cringe every time. I prefer weight loss adventure. So <laughs> Catherine and I have compromised and made it during venture. Um, anyway, how do you both manage this? I know that this is an incredibly complex topic. And if anybody could shed some light on managing our disordered eating in the middle of the current intuitive eating and healthy at every size culture, I think that you two could. Please know that the work you do makes a huge difference in our lives. Thank you so much, Olivia. Yeah. Also, as a newly married gal, thank you for being such a sweet example of marriage. I hope my hubs and I can uh, be like you guys in the future. <laughs> well, well. I, I think you can try and do better than that. But <laughs> Yeah, we put on a good show. So, um, <laughs> no. Our marriage is awesome. Jeez, no, oh man. It is. No, but it's, you know, I think... All of this is an evolution, and I think there is a big difference between the me and Donald of age 30 and the people that we are now 20-some yeah, years later. And I think that there is really a gap between the person that I was at 30 and my expectations of weight loss and what it is now. So I think I've talked about it before, but I have been, you know, I, I was part of that sort of diet world from age 13 until my you know, 20s, 30s, and into 40 is actually when I started really thinking about my health as being about being better to my body yeah. instead of just a get thin quick scheme. And, and look, I, I would like to, along those lines, concede that there are lots of harmful messages out yeah. there, like many, many harmful messages that really mess with people's body images and I am certainly not a fan of any of that, you know, not on the side of any body shaming, you know, as somebody who, you know, was shamed, I still have trouble shaking the shame from all of the years I spent, uh, you know, people talking about my weight, people make fun of me, making fun of me because of my weight, like, you know, none of that is helpful or productive. And I'm certainly not on the side of any of it. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked before about all of the different, you know, fad diets that we've tried, cabbage soup diets, ephedra, you know, uh, fiber pills before dinner, so many things that shake, were- Shake, meal, shake, that uh, were keto, dangerous. like all those things. Yeah. So we have been part of that. And it was always this finish line in mind of if I just got to a certain weight, then I would be fine. And it wasn't until my 40s where I, you know, and- I, I have weighed about 140, 150 pounds more than I do right now. Yeah. It wasn't until I got sick and tired of that yo-yo cycle of, you know, just that disordered eating pattern that I finally said, I care about my body enough 
to really examine what I'm willing to do to take care of it. Because I was drinking and eating to excess. I was miserable. I was exhausted. And I thought that that's just how life was. And it wasn't until I started really caring about my body, like that healthy at any size, like I care about me. What am I ready to do to really change my relationship with food and the way I treat myself? But I think that getting into what my problem is with the healthy at every size movement is that it treats any actions towards trying to maintain weight and fitness goals as being disordered. And it it sort of it seems to me as if it approaches everything that isn't complete acceptance as being evil and yeah. and that anybody who decides to count a calorie or to um to count their exercise or to try to figure out calorie burn or to put you know, put your food on a food scale. They they treat that as if that is the first step to a sure, like, diagnosed clinical eating disorder. And I know that you can be somebody who does those things without developing a full, like, diagnosable eating disorder. And, you know, it's sort of in the same way that there are people who can drink alcohol without being alcoholics. There are other people who can't. But the vast majority of people who, you know, who weigh and measure their food and count their calories are not going to develop full eating disorders from that. Yeah. And look, and we know that this is a really sensitive topic. And again, for anyone who has a serious disorder, please know that we're not like none of this is about lumping everyone together. And I think that that diet culture thing, that binary thinking of it's all or nothing, listen to your body, or if you track anything, you're obviously disordered. Like we're I think we've made it clear in the 200 plus episodes that we've done that we see that life is a spectrum. And I think for one of the greatest gifts that I've gotten in getting older is letting go of other people's judgment about the best way for me to manage my health. Right. You know, when I was young, my understanding of diet or whatever was that there was a right way and a wrong way, but it was a patchwork of well-meaning but biased and ill-informed opinions yeah. of people who were working from outdated scripts about the one way to lose weight. We, you know, I think like Shad Holmstetter talked about this in his book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, about old and unhelpful thoughts being like living in a house with all hand-me-down furniture. Yeah. Right? It doesn't fit your needs. It's outdated. And it doesn't take into account your lifestyle. And everything that I learned was like, don't eat after seven like a gremlin. Don't, don't eat carbs. Don't eat sugar. Don't eat fat. Was just this kind of like all these messages coming at me instead of really thinking about what works for me. What food do I like? Like, what do I recognize to be my habits? And we spend so much time just trying to fit into other people's boxes about their opinions about what's right and wrong. Now I know that everybody's bodies are different. Right. Everybody's food likes and dislikes are different. Their exercise is different. Their stresses are different. And I spent decades using other people's prescriptive, judgmental, and limiting beliefs about how best to do it. And all it did was it was like a ping pong thing of just being like, oh, well, you got you can't eat before this. Oh, you can't eat that with that. Oh, you can't. 
you know, and, and none of it was about my actual life and what I liked. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the point here, and if we haven't said it, is that I think the healthy at every size movement does the same thing, that they they try and you know, put this one size fits all blanket approach to losing weight to everybody. And, you know, it comes from some good places, which are, hey, let's be happy in our bodies, no matter what size we are. That's fantastic. It comes from a place of, hey, let's encourage healthy behaviors, no matter what size we are. Hey, that's great, too. But the the part where I think it falls apart is that, if you then do anything in in the way of weighing and measuring food, counting calories, um, or you know, try in some way to lose your weight, that you are then part of the problem. And I think that they make that that leap from, you know, you should really do all or nothing, and it's another kind of you know all or nothing attitude. And if you're if you you know putting your mayonnaise on a food scale to figure out how many calories it is that you're a garbage person, according to a lot of these people. Right. Well, and I read something online that said diet culture glorifies losing weight at all costs. And I think we've made it clear in the 200 plus episodes that there are prices we are not willing to pay. And the more you understand your body, your needs, and like how food affects you, you have the opportunity to curate a plan that works for you and is not prescriptive. And sure, we use tools like Weight Watchers or tracking calories and food scales as tools to support our end goals. And please believe us, we believe that every body is important, every, you know, size is important. That doesn't enter into it. But what I know about the long-term effects of me being 150 pounds more than I than I am right now. Yeah. I was not healthy. No. Like, I loved myself enough to start taking better care of myself. But the long-term implications, again, in my 20s, my blood work was great. I I must be healthy. That's super awesome. But the toll it was taking on my joints, it took me 10 minutes to get out of bed in the morning because I hurt so much standing up. Like, there were actual implications to the weight that I was. And Donald had many, many, many reasons that he was not healthy at his size. Yeah. And look, my blood work was great until it wasn't. Yeah. You know, when I was 45, 46 years old, I was on, I was on heart medicine. I was on blood pressure medicine. I was on cholesterol medicine. And then right around 46, I was put on type two diabetes medicine because I had been diagnosed with it. And I ignored all of the warning signs, but for the most part, through my 20s and 30s, my blood work was always good. You know, it didn't seem to matter that I was, you know, that much overweight until it finally did. But even before the blood work was an indicator, like Catherine said, I was tired all the time. I hurt all the time. I was out of breath at the littlest movement. I would have to, like take a nap yeah. after takeout, you know, after eating a big takeout meal because it wiped me out or a trip to Target or something like that. And I wasn't enjoying my life. And there were so many indicators, you know, I just, I hurt all the time. And it really wasn't, I, I wasn't being healthy at any size. And eventually 
all of that caught up with me at the doctor's office. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, Donald didn't mention it, but he snored terribly. Oh, yeah. It got to the point, I'm, he might have just died from me smothering him with a pillow <laughs> because it was a marriage wrecker. It was really rough. They don't talk about the health consequences of your spouse smothering you with a pillow because you're, <laughs> because you're overweight. And look, six years later from all that, I'm 52 years old now. I don't take heart medicine anymore. I don't take cholesterol medicine anymore. I don't take the diabetes medicine anymore. Like I'm officially off of all of it. And I know I've got like empirical evidence that if I had just ignored it, that my health situation would have gotten worse and worse. And instead, because I've managed to take the weight off and keep it off, that it has gotten dramatically better. And I also know the quality of my life has improved dramatically. And I think that the healthy at every size movement kind of ignores those things. And they don't think about the long-term health consequences in a really real and grounded way. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like this wishful thinking thing. Like if I just wish myself to be healthy at, at whatever size I am, then I will. Now, Mentally healthy and being happy in your body, absolutely. But the long-term health consequences of, of not dealing with your being overweight are real and will catch up to you eventually. Well, and I think there's two. There's always those outliers. There are people who smoke all their lives and never get cancer. There are right. people who drink all their lives and never become alcoholics or have liver problems. And in our 20s, not imagining that we were millennials, which <laughs> we're, we're not, is at that point, the health risks are pretty low. You're still young. Right. And in my 20s, again, it was more of a vanity issue. It was just, oh, gosh, I want to lose weight. And how can I do it really quickly? And I will admit from age 14 to 40, I tried to get thin quick, and all it did was get me 150 pounds more than I weigh right now. Yeah. But in the last six years, you know, from the, the point that, you know, it's it's been just over six years that I started this, was I was miserable. I was depressed. I didn't have clear boundaries with people. I felt like a victim in my life. And in my 20s, I just thought like, well, I got to do it all. Like, oh, I'm just the one who does all the things. And I learned to deal with, you know, rewarding myself with food. And by 41, I was like, I don't want to start. I, like, I felt like I was dying because of all of the mistreatment of myself for 20 years. And Olivia, I give you so much credit for oh, being yeah. 30 and advocating for yourself and trying to find what's right for you. Because, you know, like I, it took me until age 41 to kind of go, what do I need? What do I care about? And when I started listening to podcasts like uh, Half Size Me and Happier with Gretchen Rubin and really understanding that we're all completely different, we develop our own tastes, our styles, our own aesthetic, and we start letting go of other people's expectations of ourselves and stop being like, well, when I'm a grown up, then I'll have my own opinion. We've, I felt like for decades, I didn't deserve my own opinion opinion about how to get things done. And like I said, I was a patchwork of, well, this person says I, I need a green smoothie. This person says I shouldn't eat after yeah. 10 o'clock. But now I recognize that we have the opportunity to be more introspective. 
We start examining our behaviors, our motivation, our personality traits. I mean, I learned that from Gretchen oh, yeah. Rubin. Am I an obliger, a rebel, an upholder, or a questioner? Like, what are my love languages? How do I feel appreciated? Am I a moderator or an abstainer? Am I an early bird or a night owl? Like, am I a marathoner to get things done or a sprinter? Yeah. And, you know, there's all the, like, uh, the personality type things online, too. We're all totally different. Some people are able to moderate. Some people, like our daughter, I'm full. That's too sweet. I don't want, like, I need something yeah. savory. Yeah, she, she just seems to naturally have the ability to know when she's full and appropriately stop eating. Like, I don't seem to have that. Yeah. And for people who are able to intuitively eat or who spend the time investing in that practice, it is a practice that it is something that I have not yet been able to do because every time I stop measuring, my portions get bigger. Yeah. Every time I do the like, oh, well, what I'd really like to eat right now, like is a flat of croissants from Costco. That sounds delicious. I know that, and I, I think this is something that the diet culture thing does is like, oh, it's restrictive behavior. Oh, it's restriction. Yeah. It is not res like restriction is like you're in trouble in school and you can't use Yeah, the you're phone. being punished. You can't, you know, you're on restriction from watching Dukes of Hazard. You're on <laughs> whatever. Everyone really yeah. should be on restriction from watching Dukes of Hazard like, if we're being honest. But like restriction is punishment. But what I show is restraint. Because I know that, like, my my palate, I, I have a very intense palate. Like, if I start eating something, I, I'm like a – like, dogs will just keep eating the dog food until right. they're, full, they're full. That's me. Like, oh, boy, there's another croissant. Let me see if I can jam that in. But showing restraint is a mindful, like, hey, I know my instinct is to eat half a dozen, but – Restraint tells me that that is a food I enjoy. Let me figure out how I can fit it into my plan in a way that is mindful, purposeful, and planned so that I can enjoy it and fit it into my lifestyle while not gaining 150 pounds. Yeah, like we are all individuals and Catherine and I are very much plan agnostic. But one thing that we know is that the only way to truly maintain weight and to truly lose weight is to burn more calories than you take in. And I'm, you know, repeating kind of some things that Catherine just said, but when I try and listen to my body's cues about hunger, my body tells me to keep eating like all of the time. I, I don't know if I broke that ability growing up or if I never had it. But I know that if I try and listen to my body, my body tells me it wants to keep eating and eating and eating. And I've had to practice getting that under control. And the, the way I know that I'm not eating too much is by weighing and measuring my food and counting my calories in the same way that I would look at like my bank account balance yeah. before spending money or look at a credit card balance and not just assume that I was paying the credit card enough <laughs> enough money. I, I have to, or gas in my tank. Like I look in the gas cage yeah. because I'm just like, oh, well, I probably have enough in there. You know, 
it doesn't work that way for me. I have to actually have the data in order to make the right decisions. Well, and I think we use programs like MyFitnessPal or the Fitbit or the Weight Watcher app. They are tools to keep us in line. Right. They are tools to kind of help guide us in the right direction. Now, again, there are people who take the time to eat intuitively and can moderate and know, you know, what their body needs. And that is great. But we recognize that there are a spectrum of people. There are a spectrum of food choices. There are people like in my own family who say, well, just make everything from scratch and eat, you know, drink a green smoothie every day. And that's, that's what you need. Yeah. Or just don't do it. Just don't eat it. I don't know why I don't understand. Why do you do that? Just don't do it. And that is a place of privilege. Like that is someone who doesn't have our experience with eating can easily say, oh, well, just don't. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Oh, just don't. But for us, we recognize like as as humans with opposable thumbs, we are using those to use tools to help us keep us in a direction that that is helpful. Over the holidays, I decided to not track. I decided to like, hey, you know what? It's a good time. People are visiting. Let's hang out. Let's eat food. I gained seven pounds. Yeah. Just seven pounds from like, oh, that looks good. Oh, that doesn't seem like too much. Yep, you and me both. And maybe at some point when we retire, maybe I'll get to the point where I can eat in a mindful way that doesn't require tracking. But we have people in Walt Place, we only look thin place, who have been maintaining for many years, who also say, as soon as I stop my tracking, I start gaining. And it's not a punishment. It's not a value judgment. It's just like monitoring your bank account. It's like monitoring, you know, any indicators. It is maintenance. So like when we buy a car, we don't go like, well, oil changes are for suckers. Like I don't need to rotate (laughs) my tires. Like it is about maintaining. It is about, you know. Mechanic culture tells us we have to. Yeah, but it really like we have the opportunity to check in with ourselves, to weigh ourselves, to see how we're tracking, to measure how many you know, calories we're getting from alcohol and from sweets. And for us, it has been valuable and necessary. For others, it might not be. For others, they can moderate. I have family members who, you know, oh, I had a latte for breakfast. I'm full. That has never been the case with me. And I think when we turn to people who are able to moderate, who are able to maintain their weight without tracking, we can say, oh, there must be something wrong with me. But just like some people are night owls and some people are early birds, it's we're never the people who say, you've got to wake up early. You've got to do yoga. You've got to eat this one thing. Right. The value of getting older is recognizing and peeling away all of those old stories and going, what do I need? What works for me? How can I make this accessible for myself? And when we let other people's opinions of like, well, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't stay up late. You should get up early. You shouldn't track calories. You should just intuitively know what to do. That is prescriptive and it's not helpful. And I think like there's a certain freedom in my late 40s of being like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like that doesn't work for me. Yeah, for sure. And just like I would never tell – like I I never tell anybody like, no, you shouldn't have your green smoothie. You should do what I'm doing. I wouldn't say that. If it works for you, super-de-duper. But it's not – 
you know, diet culture for me to know my own limits. And I admit full on that our society is filled with unhealthy images of what our bodies should look like. But it is not about that for me. Yeah. I, I, it is not a vanity project. It might have been about that when I was in my 20s and 30s, but I am not interested in or do I have any illusions that I could ever become a model or a movie star at this point or that I ever could have become a model or a movie star. What I am doing this for is to stay off of those medicines yeah. that I mentioned earlier. It's to be able to continue to travel into my 70s, maybe yeah. 80s. It's to be the guy who in his 70s, maybe 80s, can still carry the groceries up the stairs without help, can still take the stairs instead of the elevator. You know, I can still stand in those long lines at Comic-Con. Um, and I want to be the person that can live my life and travel, not have to sit out at amusement parks because I've, you know, I, I just am not healthy enough to engage in the fun. Like, I want to be able to keep doing that on and on and on as I get older. And that's what it is about for me. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, going back to that podcast episode that Olivia mentioned of someone being like outraged or upset that someone does something to manage their weight. Like you use a scale. Yeah. You're a like when people have those giant reactions, all it does is bring shame and secrecy. You're going to eat all of that again, shame and secrecy, but understanding like, wow, how does that work for you? Oh, that is helpful for you. That's super duper. I, yeah. You know, and there are so many, you know, just being on Instagram, I found so many memes and so many things like are, you know, that are making fun of managing your weight, which is so unhelpful. There was one meme that I found that was like, ha, did you remember to log your toothpaste? <laughs> like yeah. diet culture. Come on. Like when <laughs> no, no but, one is suggesting you log your toothpaste. No, but like, you know, body goals with a skeleton. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's sure what we want. You know, yeah. like, did you deserve to eat today? Again, none of that. There is not a binary. Either you love yourself exactly as you are, or you've got to like measure your salt granules to, you know, how many calories in that. We are so not about that. And when we fall into this, either you love yourself or you're poisonous for, you know, tracking your calories. It's so unhelpful to put it in a good guy, bad guy category. Being at my age and recognizing that I spent a really long time not liking myself and finally getting to the point in my 40s, which Olivia, again, you're 30. If you're getting a handle on this now, you are yeah. saving a decade over what Donald and I did. Absolutely. Our mobility matters. We did an episode uh, on non-scale victories of the ways our lives are better now that we're not encumbered by that extra weight. And it has nothing to do with a perfect number on the scale or, oh gosh, BMIs are evil and blah, like it has to do with the comfort that I have in my own body, my body not aching like it did 20 years ago. Yeah. And the more confident I become in just owning my space and not letting other people's judgment cloud like my self-confidence, like 
it is it feels so much better to go no that's not true for me it might be true for you it's not true for me the more i own that the bigger i become in my life and the the less of a like i don't want to get in the way i'm just going to be quiet and not do my thing i feel so much better to just own my space now even though i take up less space i own my life more than i did 20 years ago so whatever path you're on, whether you're doing something that's lower carb because it makes you feel better, whether you're tracking points or calories or intermittent fasting or whatever it is you're doing, finding something that works for you and that is true for you is amazing. It doesn't mean that everyone has to do with what you're doing. It doesn't mean that that might not evolve over time and you might switch from doing Weight Watchers to tracking calories or being more intuitive. It is a process and it is an evolution and it is okay to follow your own path. Again, if it becomes dangerous at any point or you feel like it's you know consuming you you can head over to uh, like i said the the website for the uh, nationaleatingdisorders.org and check that out if you feel like you need more support but if you're at a point where you're feeling good about your body and that you're in more control than you've been in the past then continue doing that that's that's amazing what is better than feeling good in your body and again like i look back at pictures of myself from 60 pounds ago and I see the confidence in my face from walking every day and eating in a more mindful way and not having heartburn. I love the me of 50 pounds ago, of 100 pounds ago, who was brave enough to let go of old prescriptions and decide what was right for me in the future. Not drinking every night, not eating a thousand calories of hummus every night. It feels really good to know that we can still evolve in our 30s, 40s, and 50s and take better care of ourselves. Absolutely. It is never too late. And uh, we love the you of right now who decided to listen to this episode. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, Hopefully, um, uh, most of you (laughs) are on board with our message. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, If you liked this episode, or even if you didn't, uh, we have uh, 200 and some others that are available wherever you found this one. And you can also listen to them anytime on our website at weonlylookthin.com. Yep. And if you are at weonlylookthin.com, you can click on the link for join our support group. A We Only Look Thin Place, Wolt Place, is an accountability and support group for women based on Facebook. We have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a three-month option with a seven-day complimentary trial to see if Wolt Place is right for you. And as Donald said before, it is uh, we are planning agnostic. We want everyone to join and do whatever they need to do that matches their journey venture, but it is a place for accountability and support no matter what your method of weight loss or weight maintenance is. Very well said. And if you would like to interact with us on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Only Look Thin. Or you could be like Olivia and send us an email, which we will answer four months later or whatever it is. <laughs> I know. I wonder if Olivia is like totally fixed now. Oh, like, <laughs> she she quit listening, wah, moved on wah. to some other show because we didn't answer her email. Um, Olivia, uh, we're sorry, but hey, it's a whole episode dedicated to your email. How about that? Um, uh, you can write to us just like Olivia did to we only look thin at gmail.com. 
and uh, we will eventually get back to you. Uh, we love hearing from you. We genuinely do. And uh, maybe we'll make a whole episode out of your email just like we did this one. Yep. And if you did enjoy this episode, if you could head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and a review, it not only makes us uh, feel good to know that we're making a difference, but it also helps other people find us in search results. It boosts us in Apple because uh, they like the stars. They like the stars. And uh, also, if you think we're stars, uh, that was really bad. Um, please tell somebody about the show. If you've got somebody in your life that you think might enjoy the show, uh, just mention it. Word of mouth is one of the best ways for the show to grow, and we appreciate it. Yep. So if you still think that not being able to watch the Dukes of Hazard <laughs> is restriction and punishment, just remember that Catherine and I are an, an inspiration. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.